everybody and welcome to the skills pod. I'm Emma Venables. I'm one of the academic skills advisors here at the University of Chester and I'm joined by my colleague. Hello, I'm Tony Cliff and I'm also one of the academic skills advisors and today we have two special um, guests on the podcast with us who would like to introduce themselves now. Hello there, I'm uh, Michael Bird. I'm the head of initial teacher education at the uh, Faculty of Education and Children's Services. Hi there, I'm Wendy, Wendy Garner, and I too work in the Faculty of Education and Children's Services, and I'm one of your tutors, whether you be on the undergraduate or the postgraduate courses within Initial Teacher Education. We're doing a special crossover episode today, so um, it's really exciting. So to start with, we're going to talk about reading and critical thinking. And Wendy and Mike, I don't know if you want to say a little bit about um, what, what the um, issues or struggles that your students might be having with, with these skills, um, yes. just to kind of make it a bit more meaningful for them. Well, we get a lot of feedback from students when they uh, get their um, assignments back that they sometimes feel a little bit perplexed or puzzled about uh, feedback that relates to critical analysis. You do more critical analysis. Uh, and uh, I suppose one of the attempts to try to help them with that is to produce this podcast, because really it is about being able to read more, expand your net more widely that will enable them to uh, exercise a bit more criticality in their writing and their thinking. Yes, I would agree. And of course, you know, in, in reading for these qualifications and reading for a degree or a postgraduate certificate, you know, the, you need to read quite widely and, and to be thinking critically when you're reading and that will actually help you with your critical writing. The more you read, the more you get used to that kind of writing style and the way in which you read, which I think we'll come on to, but the way in which you, you know, approach this quite sort of what seems to be an insurmountable task at the beginning is, is important and there are smart ways of doing it. You know, you don't have to read everything from beginning to end. In fact, that's counterproductive. So I think we're going to probably explore some of those strategies with you to help make it a bit more manageable, perhaps. Absolutely. I think it's important to, to know as well that critical thinking begins long before you begin reading. It's those initial stages where you're planning you know you're asking yourself questions of you know your assignment brief asking yourself what you know and what you need to know so it, it's not just the writing that's critical it's it goes well back to, to to the beginning i think there is one particular um challenge that rite students have and that is that is the challenge of time because mm -hmm. they are on a placement where they're being obviously uh, told or, the, or they have to plan lots of lessons and create lots of teaching resources and materials and do lots of marking and so on and that um, you know from their point of view can be perceived to interfere with the need for uh, you know important reflective reading critical analysis actually I disagree with that you know from from my perspective I, th I think it's really important for a teacher to carve out time for the critical uh, you know reflection and the reading because that's what makes them a professional uh, but it's difficult to make that time and and I suppose one sort of broad uh, piece of advice for me is is there is no substitute for being absolutely organized and being really disciplined with it um, yeah and I think being systematic 
little and often and there's a lot of research isn't there on things like the 15 minute rule and you you do need to start reading early you know i'm coming at this as a cognitive psychologist you can't you can't cram it it just doesn't work your brain doesn't work like that your brain will keep mulling over what you've read even subconsciously after you've read it and when you read other things it will make new connections with what you've read and that's in the end is what you'll be writing about so spacing out your reading and, and not trying to do too much all in one go and being yeah. organized and systematic is actually crucial interesting and you know just as a personal reflection on this um you know uh, little and often is often the the, the sort of answer to it for, from my perspective because i used to take a train to uh, where i worked in a school it was a sort of 40 minute train ride and um you know i did that five days a week and that was a perfect time yeah. to read articles i you know i did my i did my doctorate on a train essentially mm. because because after about a term i'd read 50 articles yeah. You know, and uh, because because that was what I did on the train. Um, and, you know, uh, I know it's not, you know, for for different individuals, they have different schedules, they have different sort of concerns and so on and so forth. But just a little bit of time and space just, you oh. know, to, to carve out to do that reading, it all starts to mount up over time. And it's it's amazing what what can be learned. <clears throat> yeah, we've got the we use the dolphin shark whale. Um, stages as, as a reading strategy so you know like Mike was saying there about being on a train you could start your your initial searching on a train so the the dolphin aspect is when you're kind of non-committal you're skimming the waves you're just looking for text that might be interesting so you know you've got some keywords pop them into library search see what comes up look at the you know journal articles look at the abstract if it if it's still gripping you put it into a into another pile for for the next stage of reading if it's not if it's if it's not relevant if it's not you know if you're not connecting with it bin it you know you could don't have time to read everything that's out there so by doing that you know that's 10 15 minutes on a train on on your way to to work to to university whatever you you've that you've managed to you know make it make a state you know take another step in your in your reading so uh, and then the next stage would be the shark this is more targeted reading so you would take those that that pile of essay um of articles or book chapters whatever they are from your first stage and this is where you'd look at them a little bit more closely it's a little bit more targeted so you'd might read the abstract again you'd read the introduction the conclusion um, the opening sentences of each paragraph, the closing sentences of each paragraph, and see if, if you know, if it's really going to be useful to you. If it's really, you know, if it's making you, I guess, think critically. Is it, is it getting those cogs turning? If the answer is yes, great. Next pile, put it into the, you know, and that that could be a folder on your computer where you're downloading the articles and and you know, keeping them. Um, if it's not, again been it you, you haven't got time to engage with everything and especially things that aren't going to be useful and then the final stage of reading is the deep stage of reading and this is the whale the whale phase and um, this is where you might take a reading template and you would read that that art say for example a journal article you would read that quite deeply very closely you'd be critically engaging with it at every stage um, and Wendy you said that you quite like a reading template so I don't know if you want to share yeah. your experience of a, of a template it's yeah, it's a bit like Mike, a busy teacher, then was appointed as a lecturer and then had my son. So I had um, a thesis to complete for my master's. And so I completed that 
in the afternoons when he was asleep. And so for that hour and a half, and I generated at that time my own what I call the reading template to prove to myself that I'd read it. And I'd, but actually, it was, I tell the show the students this box piled full of these articles with an appended reading template. And I'd made sure I'd remembered the key points, I'd written a full bibliographic reference. And if there was a direct quote, I shoved that in. And you know what? That was the basis for my thesis. And I did well with that thesis, despite writing it, you know, um, in a sort of what seemed to be a piecemeal way, but actually was very effective. So we can provide a copy of that reading template, can't we, at the end of this podcast or beneath this podcast? But you've got variations on that, haven't you, within the ASK department? Yeah, so um, yeah, we have several different reading templates. They're all kind of iterations of the same thing. So, you know, first thing is putting that source information at the top. Um, and putting it into APA 7 or MHRA, if, if, if students using MHRA, making sure that you're putting it in the referencing style that you're going to use, um, because you're going to save yourself a lot of time and panic further down the line if you get if you do that. And then, you know, jotting down what the key points are. Can you paraphrase those key points? Um, and also always making sure that you're reflecting on those key points. So that's where the critical engagement comes in. You're not just making notes without thinking about it. You're really engaging. So do you agree with the points? What evidence is being used to support the points? How does it how does it connect with your assignment? That's the really important one. Um, and it might be that you that you write that in, in a different colour so that when you're looking back, you can see this is my critical thoughts on, on this particular source. Um, and it might also be that those sources, you know, particularly journal articles, if you're reading a journal article and they're using evidence from other sources, often there's hyperlinks to those other sources. So you don't even have to spend more time searching, you know, it's right there, just click on it and, and you, you go to it. So, you know, it's having those strategies, things like note taking templates, so you're critically thinking, but also making it easier on yourself and, you know, following the bread trails. We, we always say that no academic source is an island, they're all connected, they're all yeah. in conversation with each other. So using those connections to kind of further your reading and, and making sure that you're critically engaging at all stages. I think one of the most important parts of those reading templates, particularly from our team, at the end we have a summary where can yeah. you summarise that article and not only is that really beneficial for you to clarify your own learning in terms of have I actually understood that, but actually that paraphrase point that you're making can then go directly into your writing. So I think a lot of students when we come back to this idea of, of time, so for me I'm a very slow reader, always have been. And, you know, when you are doing these degrees, you have to make sure that I'm sure some people listening to this podcast have got to the end of a academic journal article and have realised, actually, that's been pretty useless for what I'm looking at. And we want to avoid that by using these techniques. Um, and what's really important is, like I say, with this summary is you've really understood, yes, this really is beneficial for this particular assignment what we find a lot of students do is they'll just put research in just to pad that reference list out and the tutors yeah. will be like lovely information but not relevant and you might find that when you are reading you might be like oh this is generally really interesting for your professional practice but it's not related to your assignment so make sure you do have another folder of you know spare time reading which is really important but just to come back to the time element um Something that really helped me in terms of, so obviously using the techniques that we've discussed already, but just the simple one of using the control F function for a PDF, or if you're on a Mac, command F in terms of, if you're looking for a key term 
and you have a web page open or a PDF, if you use Control and F and then type that keyword in, that's hopefully going to take you to that point in that particular paper where that key term comes up. If you type that in there and nothing is returned, then it's unlikely that key point is in that paper, so you might not necessarily need to read it. And that's something that's really helped me. Having a discussion with a student the other day uh, when we were chatting about reading, in fact, um, and they said to me that online, some journal articles now, now will read it to you. There's an option for it. So they said when they're doing their shopping, which is 30 minutes out of their day, they will have a listen to um, some particular journal articles that are out there, which I found was quite nice. And they also said as well is that because they do have kids in a similar to you and you're finding time to, to kind of fit that in. They said when they were making the tea and they had stuff in the oven, so, you know, it's 20 minutes, stuff was in the oven ready to go. They would use that protective time in the kitchen to, to get some reading done, which I thought was a nice kind of way of just maximising that time. Um, but definitely the control F function is, is something certainly worth it and it certainly saved me a lot of time. So I've got um, a, a, another thing that I know our students tend to find uh, quite challenging is that there's the mechanics of reading and understanding a journal article or a chapter, which, which is uh, one thing. And, and you know, all of the students, I think, are, are able to do that. They're certainly able to distinguish, uh, you know, texts that aren't going to be very useful or, or that are unintelligible uh, from those that, that, that would be useful and they can get their heads around. But how do you account for or how can you how can we help students move from simply being able to decode a text or, or, or sort of understand it in a sort of very sort of, um, you know, practical way to to actually being able to interrogate and actually being able to, you know, question some of the things that, 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 that the article, because I find that students can sometimes be put into uh, a, a a position where where they feel intimidated or that they they they're sort of not they don't feel brave enough or courageous enough or that they defer too much to the expertise of the authors or the or the researchers how how can we help them jump to that next level well for me uh, my question to all of you is and this will make sense why I've asked this is who do you think in society is the most critical? I know the answer, so I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know this one. So yeah, Mike and Wendy, who do you, who do you think is the most What, what do you mean by critical? Society? Critical as in fundamental or critical as in the the, the one who, who casts doubt on the sceptical or, or, or what? Yeah, that, that criticality in terms of, you know, asking the why question, interrogating information. Who do you think is the most critical? You know, I would I would hope academics would come would figure quite highly in that. I would I would suspect probably parliamentarians might do, um, you know, politic politicians, possibly to, to some extent in a really superficial way, journalists um, and and other authors and writers. Um, I would presume uh, that kind of field of activity. Artists, maybe as well screen script writers, musicians? So, so for me, um, I often say that toddlers are the most critical 
Okay. And the reason is because they never stop asking the why question and they're mm -hmm. never happy with the information. So we often say to students, is, is that all the things you said there, Michael, that's what students come up with. That's good. Yeah. And then we say, you want to really regress back to being an academic toddler. Always <laughs> never be satisfied with that information. Yeah. And then once you get into that mindset of realising that not everything out there is true, you know, just because it's a journal article does not necessarily mean it's true. Treat everything as if it's yeah. not true. Always yeah. ask that why question. And that simple but why question, then mm. if you're constantly in that mindset, you're going to start to become critical. So we often say to students, come back to that why question, the how question, the what if, the so what uh, questions. Those couple of easy questions can then open up such a broad range of discussion for yeah. students in terms of their criticality and so, yeah. so the good rate reading templates have that within it embedded within it as well and i was going to say the individual but really we have that taken away from us as we grow older really that that sort of toddler capacity to question everything but but the reading templates can certainly students seem to think that can help to remind them to do all these things we're talking about while they practice becoming good critical readers i mean how do we get rid of the, the full stop though and the question you know so so for example i mean the, the, because the because I, I i really like that um analogy of a academic toddler i think that's re that's really helpful um but what happens when you keep exercising that right to ask questions why so what is the is is often silence and uh, and nothing and 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 maybe a little bit of emotional frustration because we just got to move on from this and I've got to do something and the deadlines in two weeks. So how do we fill the silence in answer to those questions? So with that one, Michael, it's something that we tell students, we come back to this idea of, of a paragraph being around about 200 to 250 words and every yeah. paragraph discusses one idea or one related point. So as a general rule, if uh, tutors are not giving students particular word counts for particular sections, we say to students that 10% of your word count should be dedicated to introduction, 10% should also be dedicated to your conclusion. So if we had a 2000 word assignment, that's effectively 400 words gone. So we're left with 1600 words. If we divide that by 200 or 250, that leaves us between six and eight paragraphs. So that means we've got to make six to eight points effectively to answer that question so when we in our planning when we have those six to eight points out when we are doing our reading and we start to populate that under that paragraph with our bullet points we have that really nice check of okay well um i'm at 200 words now so my points should have been made at this point now so my 200 so now i can tick that off and i can move on to the next point so that does stop students then I say dedicating so much time to one point. It's a really nice checkoff point of all that extra information is lovely, but I've answered the point now. I've answered the question. I've got to move on because we've got that in our plan and we can take that off as we go through. So using the words per paragraph is a really nice way to stop students going into this endless. Where do I stop? Because you're right. You know, there's so much information out there. You could read forever about yeah. a single point. So it's a really nice way to, to jump off. Next podcast is on paragraphing and structure, um, where we'll be joined by Wendy and Mike again. So thanks very much for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode. I'll speak to you in the next episode. Well, thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.